Good afternoon, man. Welcome to Huddle. It's good to see you all here today. First off, I'd like to thank you all for being here today, and uh, let's thank the ladies for lunch. Another item we'd like to always bring up is please turn off your cell phones. And something we like to say around here is if it goes off during the time today, then we'll pick you for the next speaker. <laughs> and it has happened before, too. Next week's speaker is, uh, so you guys buckle up because we've got a testimony today with Will and testimony next week also. It's going to be an awesome time in the Lord. And uh, we can't wait to see how God's going to speak to us through these men. Next week, it's Woody Worthington. And uh, if you have any questions on a little bit of his background, you can get with, with Chuck. He's a friend of Chuck's. And Chuck uh, kind of is making this happen, so we appreciate that. I think that is it. So I'd like to invite uh, Pastor Will. Um, it's a privilege, and I'm excited to introduce Pastor Will Douglas. Uh, he's my pastor. And uh, he's got a powerful, I don't know what for sure which direction he's headed today, but I know he'll be blessed. Uh, I love Pastor Will, and uh, um, I'm excited. His son Case is here with him today, so welcome, Case. Thanks, Case. So come on up here, Will, and I'll pray, pray for you. Well, Pastor Will. <laughs> Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this ministry, Lord. We lift up Pastor Will to you today, Father God. Um, just thank you for his willingness to share, Lord. Um, prepare our hearts to hear a message from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon, brothers. It's good to see you all. I want to just say that uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. God has once again given me something I didn't earn and I don't deserve, but I'm grateful to be speaking to you. I know that Kent just said I'm going to share my testimony, and, and I will share a little bit of my testimony, but uh, at heart, I'm a preacher. So you're going to get a little sermon this afternoon, all right? So we're going to be in Philippians. Um, I invite you to turn there. You can, I, I know you're supposed to have your cell phones off, but maybe that's just the ringer. Um, you're going to have to look on the text somehow, some way, so... Turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a second, but I've got a question uh, for you guys first. Now, this is a hard question. I'm not asking you to raise your hands on this. In fact, when you hear the question, you may be glad I didn't ask that. Because you may not want anyone else to know that your answer is yes. But I'm going to ask it anyway. So just think to yourself, is this a yes or no to the following question? Have you ever been so low? That you thought to yourself, it would just be better if I ended it all. I know where I'm at. 
I know who's sitting here. But Will, you're you're talking about a bunch of Christian. You're asking a bunch of Christian men if they've ever thought about ending their life. Yeah, that's exactly what I asked. Because the truth is, we live in a broken world. That comes down hard on humanity. Because of sin. And there will be darkness that will descend upon you. And though the light can and does shine into that, there are moments when it's so dark that the thought crosses our mind. Wouldn't it just be better if it were all over? If that's you, hang with me. Because you're in good company. This is good company, but I'm I'm talking about good company here in the scriptures. Philippians chapter 1, listen to the Apostle Paul. Beginning at the end of verse 18, and I'll read through to the end of the chapter, but this is what Paul says and I'm reading from the New Testament for everyone version, so maybe a little different than what you have, but hear me out. Paul writes this, Yes, and I really am going to celebrate because I know that this will result in my rescue Though your prayer and the support, through your prayer and the support of the Spirit of King Jesus. I'm waiting eagerly and full of hope because nothing is going to put me to shame. I am going to be bold and outspoken now as always, and the king is going to gain a great reputation through my body, whether in life or in death. You see, for me to live means the Messiah. To die means to make a prophet. If it's to be living on in the flesh, that means fruitful work for me. Actually, I don't know which I would choose. I'm pulled both ways at once. I would really love to leave all this and be with the king because that would be far better. But staying on here in the flesh is more vital for your sake. Since I've become convinced of this, I know that I will remain here and stay alongside all of you to help you to advance and rejoice in your faith so that the pride you take in King Jesus may overflow because of me when I come to visit you once again. The one thing I would stress is this. Your public behavior must match up to the gospel of the king. That way, whether I do come and see you or whether I remain elsewhere, the news that I get about you will indicate that you are standing firm with a single spirit, struggling side by side with one united intent for the faith of the gospel and not letting your opponents intimidate you in any way. This is a sign from God, one that signifies their destruction, but your salvation. Yes, God has granted you that on behalf of the king. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You are engaged in the same struggle which you once watched me go through. And as you now hear, I'm still going through it. There's so much here in this passage. and I'm limited on time. 
but I want to just share a couple things from this text that I hope will encourage you as you follow Jesus. First, Paul contemplated suicide. Paul contemplated suicide. How do I know that? Well, he's pretty clear, actually. Look back into verse 22. Actually, I don't know which I will choose. Well, what's this choice that he's making? The, the choice that he's making is he doesn't know whether he wants to live or to die. I'm being pulled both ways at once, he says in verse 23. I would really love to leave all this and be with the king because that would be far better. But staying on here in the flesh is more vital for your sake. He's struggling with whether or not he should live or whether he should die. And he presents it, hear me, he presents it as a choice. Now look, I understand we're reading English. Paul didn't speak or write in English. He wrote and he spoke in Koine Greek. And the way he words, I do not know which I will choose, he couches the I do not know. That is a present verb. He's saying in this moment, I do not know. And then he uses a future tense verb when he says, which I would choose. And the, the verb choose means to choose. <laughs> he couches it in the future. He says, at this very moment, it's almost like Philippians in this section is, is almost like a, it's like a journal. As Paul sits in a Roman prison cell, as he has struggled for the sake of the gospel, and he has been beaten, and he has been laid low, he doesn't want to do it anymore. Or does he? He's struggling. He's wrestling. He's saying in this very moment as he sits in this prison cell, as he writes this letter, he says, I do not know in this very moment which I will choose down the road to live or to die. It's his choice. And then in 23, when he says, I'm pulled both ways, this word pull, it, it has the, the word he originally used has a sense of turmoil and distress. This choice to, to die, to end it all or to live, it's, it's, he's distressed. It's creating turmoil in his mind. He doesn't know which choose but his letter doesn't end at 23 does it suicide but Paul will choose sacrifice since I've become convinced of this I know that I will remain here and stay alongside all of you to help you to advance and rejoice in your faith 
Listen, it's about others. Paul says it would be better for him to end it all. Maybe you thought that. And you know what? You'd be right. It's better for us not to have to go on. For us. But it's not about you. It's not about you. It wasn't about Paul. Paul said, I'm going to live on for you. I'm not going to choose death because for, it's not, and it's not because it's not what I want. It, it's not about whether I want it or not. I've already told, he's already told them that's preferable to him. But it's preferable for them that he live on. Following Jesus is about sacrificing yourself for the sake of others. No, we won't go to a cross like our Savior did. But Jesus himself said, if you're going to follow him, you've got to take up your cross. And you've got to follow him. What does that mean? In part, that means that you're going to have to give up your own wants. You're going to have to give up your own desires. You're going to have to give up what's easier for you and embrace what's harder for the sake of others. And if you say, well, I still am doubting, then read on. Because you will come to Philippians chapter 2 and you will read about a king who gave it all up for you and for me. You want to follow Jesus? You got to do it on his terms. years, five children, cases, our second son. Not long after her birthday, she started experiencing some uterine pain. And she thought it was fibroids. And that made sense because my mother-in-law suffers from fibroids and Larissa's grandmother, her mother, suffered from fibroids, but Grammy lived into her 90s and my mother-in-law is in her 70s and other than some heart issues and fibroids, she's doing okay. So we didn't think much of it except to make an OB appointment and Larissa goes into the OB appointment and the OB says, yeah, it's probably fibroids, but we can't make a definitive diagnosis until we do an ultrasound. And so they scheduled the ultrasound. This was early February. They scheduled the ultrasound for uh, late March. 
Well, by the end of February, I don't remember the exact date, February 21st or 22nd, about a month after her birthday, I wake up. She's at the end of the bed on her knees, rocking back and forth, crying. The pain was so severe. I looked at her and I said, fibroids are no joke. I was like, we're not waiting until March for an ultrasound. I was like, we're going in right now. And so we went into Community North, or into Community Hospital, and they did a bunch of tests, and I'll never forget. The head OB comes into the emergency room, into our room. And she started stuttering all over herself. I knew. She couldn't even save. She couldn't even say it was cancer. This is a doctor. And she's stuttering all over herself. I felt so bad for her, but I knew what she was going to say. There were tumors all over. In her uterus, on the lining of the wall of her stomach. We spent most of the month of March in community. They transferred us to Community North. And we spent most of the month there in the hospital on the oncology wing of Community North Hospital. Like Paul, I had agonized over wanting to go be with Jesus. But then I look all around me, not just at my five children. who I've known for 20 years in ministry and they still call me and they ask my advice. They want me to pray with them. And I know for them it's better that I live. One more point and then I'm done. Paul Conto 
contemplated suicide. He chose sacrifice. And here's why it all matters. And here's what it all comes back to. Because Paul will always be committed to his sovereign king. If you go all the way back to the very beginning of Philippians, this is what it says. Verse 1. From Paul and Timothy, slaves of King Jesus, to all God's holy ones in King Jesus who are in Philippi, together with the overseers and ministers, grace to you and peace from God our Father and King Jesus the Lord. Now your translation might say something a little different there when Paul says that him and Timothy are slaves of King Jesus, but in the Koine Greek, when Paul originally wrote this, listen, we, we want to soften the text because of all kinds of reasons and connotations that these sort of words uh, generate, but this is what he said. He used the first century term for slave. He said, Timothy and I are slaves of King Jesus. Now, your translation might say servants of Christ Jesus or something like that. The term is slave. And the term Christ means king. Whenever we say Christ Jesus, whether you realize it or not, you're saying King Jesus. Because the term Christ means king. Paul will always be committed to his sovereign king. Always. Listen, I know many of you, you have a varied background. Some of you are leaders uh, within your companies. You are, you, you're pastors. You're respected. But please hear me. Your identity is not that you are an executive with your company. Your identity is not that you're a pastor. Hang with me, I'm just getting started. Your identity is not that you're Republican. Your identity is not that you're Democrat. Your identity, listen, and, and then it's going to step on toes, and it's fine because you need to hear it, and it's true. Your identity is not that you're even an American. My identity is not that I'm a widower. All those things might be true. Your identity if you're following Jesus, is a slave of King Jesus. That's what you are. And if that's uncomfortable for you, if that bothers you, if that's not the primary identity you want to be identified as, then listen, take it up with him. I didn't write this. And if you think, well, this is an outlet, this is maybe an outlier for Paul, I'll go and read his letters. Go and read his letters because he starts off most of his letters exactly like this. I am a slave of King Jesus. That's what Paul wanted people to know more than anything else. And it makes all the difference because listen, in those moments when I want to do whatever it is I want to do, 
I have to come back to that. I'm, I'm not in charge. I don't get to say how my life plays out. He does. He's in charge. And come what may, listen, I will bend the knee to no one but King Jesus. Lord.